Um, I want you to take your Bible and turn to, uh, let's start eventually with 2 Timothy, okay? We have been talking a long time about learning to live life by responding to the voice and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We talk about that a lot. Because it's important in every arena of our life. It's important in our married life. It's important in our raising our kids. It's important in dealing with the world. It's important in being able to stand against the influence that the world wants to bear against us. Because how do we know what to do without being able to hear the voice and the leadership of the Holy Spirit? But it's not a journey without potential mistakes. Some of the weirdest, most hurtful things have been done to others and us, to the church, to the world, under the guise of, this is what God's telling me to do. All kinds of weird things, all kinds of hurtful things. And it seems sometimes that we use that to justify us giving our opinion or just venting about something. All kinds of mistakes have been made because we believed we were being led by the Spirit only to find out later we were being led by something else. I want to tell you something this morning, and I hope it encourages you. Everyone has been sure. Okay? Whoever has attempted to live this kind of a life, there has been a point in their life where they were absolutely sure only to find out they were absolutely wrong. Okay? If you've been on this journey very long and you're honest, you will have to admit that there are times in this walk where you were absolutely certain that you were hearing the Spirit only to discover later that you were hearing something else. I mean, if you're honest, none of us is bad at a thousand. And there have been those instances where we were thoroughly convinced this is what God wants me to do, and we missed it. Well, I want to say something to you this morning. The issue is not that you never miss it. The issue is that you never quit. The issue is not that you were convinced you heard and then only to discover that you didn't. The issue is that you never quit seeking to hear and know the voice of the Lord. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. This verse has just taken on a whole new meaning in light of this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Paul says, 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who love his appearing. Notice what it did not say. Paul did not say, there is a crown in the future to be awarded to me because I won the fight. He didn't say, I won the fight. He said, I fought the fight. It did not say there's a crown awarded to me because I won the race. He said, there's a crown awarded to me because I finished the race. He didn't say there's a crown awarded to me because I batted a 1,000. He says, there's a crown awarded to me because I just kept the faith. I kept at it. I kept coming back. I kept seeking him. The prize is for finishing, not for getting it right every single time. And sometimes when we get it wrong, we just, we just want to pull our hair out and say, I just knew, I just knew that was God. I'm just, I'm just not doing that anymore. And we quit. The issue is not that we get it right every time. The issue is that we fight. The issue is that we finish. The issue is that we keep. The issue is that we continue to come back and do that. Now, God has put some, place, some things in place in our life to keep us in the dance, okay? And recognize. He's given us some things to help us recognize when what we're hearing is really him or it's just the influence of the flesh, right? And I want to share three or four of those things with you this morning. First of all, John 16, 13. We've talked about this extensively before. One of the things he has given us to know the will of God is the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Say that with me. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will speak. He speaks. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Thank God we no longer need someone outside to tell us what the will of God is. We don't need to cast the dice. We don't need to draw lots. We don't need a fleece. The Spirit of God lives inside of us, and His purpose, one of His purposes in living inside of us is when He hears from God, He speaks to us. It's not left up to our imagination. It's not left up to our reason to try to figure out what the will of God is. It's not left up to us how I feel this morning We have the Holy Spirit inside of us whose responsibility is to hear from the Father, and as he hears from the Father, he speaks to us and discloses to us what is to come. 
that makes it imperative for us to be able to recognize his voice. Let me ask you something. Do you know the difference between the voice of the Spirit and the voice of your flesh? Well, the devil, no, no, no. The, the, devil, the devil has got us so locked into our flesh, he never needs to bother with us. Can you with confidence say, that was the flesh, that's God? That's what comes with this responsibility to be able to make that distinction. Becoming familiar with his voice is absolutely essential. And that may mean not drowning it out with other voices. We can become so attuned to other voices that we know how to respond to that, but we're unfamiliar with the voice of the Spirit and the ability to respond to him. But that's the Holy Spirit's work in our heart is to let us know what God wants and to reveal to us what God is saying. We talked about, as we talked about enlarging, and we're going to touch on that a little bit more later on, and one of the prerequisites of enlarging is replacing some things. God wants to give us a greater capacity for him, which means our heart is only so big anyway And so we've already got it filled with a bunch of things that we really need to replace in order for our heart to be captured by the Lord. The same is true in learning the voice of the Spirit. It's essential that we replace some voices in our life. Maybe it's getting in the car and turning on the radio. Maybe it's sitting for hours and just watching TV. Maybe it's just, it's something. It's, there's things in our life that God's going to call on to be replaced. That we might have a greater capacity for him. That we'll be able more fam- to be more familiar with his voice than we are with the voice of the world and the voice of our flesh. That's one of the things he's given us. Second thing he's given us is Scripture. Look with me in 2 Timothy 3. And this is out of the message. I normally don't read out of the message much, but sometimes I just, you know, there's a, I don't remember what the name of that app is. It gives all the translations. Bible who? Bible Gateway. And if you Google a verse, Bible Gateway will give you like a ton of translations of that verse. And so I use it, you know, sometimes, and I was reading through there, I found this one. And I thought, this is good. This is relevant. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. Well, I like that. Every Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful in one way or another. Now he gives us the one ways in the others. One of the ways he says it's useful is for showing us the truth. It reveals to us the heart of God. It reveals to us who God is and what he's like. Then he says, exposing our rebellion. Yeah. Scripture is there to show us whenever we're resisting what God's trying to do in our life. That's why it's so unwelcome when we're living in rebellion. We really don't want to hear that. 
I don't want to hear about that. But it comes to do that. Then he says, by correcting our mistakes. I like that. That the tense of the verb that's there takes this posture. When he says, correcting our mistakes, he doesn't say, if you make a mistake. The, 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 the tense there is, when you make a mistake. It assumes you are going to make a mistake. You are going to miss it at some point. And the purpose of Scripture is to let you know where you've missed it, when you've missed it, and how to correct where you've missed it. And training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Even even our mistakes... We can learn, whenever we take that posture and we're convinced this is God and we find out it's not God, we can learn something from that if we are willing to say, I made a mistake. But if I'm not willing to say, you know, I I missed that, I'm going to never grow in my understanding of how God speaks. And on top of all of that, I'll probably get mad at God because he didn't do what I thought he ought to do. But if we understand, we all miss it. I can miss it at any time. And be willing to go to the Father and say, boy, God, you know, I was sure, sure that was you. David did that. Lord, deal with me according to my integrity. I blew it. I thought that was you. I fell, but I fell forward, and I missed it. But we can learn from our mistakes, and Scripture is there. How can we recognize What God is saying now, if we are not familiar with what he has said in the past, that's one of the reasons Scripture is so important. It lets me know the things when I've been in rebellion. It shows me the truth when I've been in rebellion. Uh, Corrects my, my mistakes. It trains me to live God's way. It reveals to me those things. But how am I gonna know and recognize God's voice today when I'm not familiar with God's voice in the past. I've I've used this illustration before, but it's so applicable. When I grew up, I went by the name Mike. That's what I I signed all my papers. I mean, that was my name, Mike Young. I didn't even know my name was Micah Young. I knew it was just Mike Young. Well, there was a half a dozen Mikes in our neighborhood. There was Mike Simpson, there was Mike Trahan, there was Mike Broussard, there was all these Mikes. And so we'd all be out playing baseball in the backyard, and we'd hear, Mike! And everybody'd stop. Okay, First time didn't register because we were busy. But we'd hear, Mike! Uh, that's your mother. That's not, that's your mother. We could recognize those voices because we were familiar with those voices. And I could recognize my mother and these other guys. That meant nothing to them, but it sure meant something to me. So there was able to make that distinction because I was so familiar with that voice, I could respond to it, and I could ignore the other voices. And the same is true with the voice of the Lord. If I know what God's Word said, if I have tuned my heart to His Spirit, whenever there's a voice that's ringing in my heart, I can recognize That's not the Lord because I'm familiar with the voice of the Lord, and that's not him. It may be appealing, and it may be the 
smart thing to do, and it may be the rational thing to do, and it may be the feel-good thing to do, but I can discern through all of that because I know the voice of the Spirit, and that's not him. Okay? So he's given us the Scripture. Nothing new will violate the whole of God's Word. Now, I'm not talking about picking out a Scripture. I'm talking about the whole spirit of what God has revealed to us. How does it measure up to all of what God has said to us? I remember right after I got saved, I was working at a refinery, and these guys were less than Christians, and they knew a lot of, some of them knew a lot of Bible. So I can tell you in the Bible where it says to go hang yourself. So what? And they read the story about Judas betraying the Lord, and he went out and he hung himself, and then he flipped over and said, go ye therefore and do likewise. That's not understanding the spirit of the Scripture. You can pick and choose to make it say what you want, but the whole of the Scripture is what we're looking at. Does it look like something God has said in the past? Another thing, the third thing is the character of God. Look with me in James chapter 3. How I can recognize whether this is the voice of the Lord or not is it will have the character of God. Voice chap- James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Does that sound like someone you know? Sounds like Jesus. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 tells me Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so when he says wisdom is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy, Christ is the wisdom of God. And if I'm hearing something that doesn't look like Christ and it's consistent with who he is, I can be certain that's not the voice of God. Well, I'm gonna, I, just, I need to take up for myself. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Well, I need to just put some pressure on this person to get that. That doesn't sound like Jesus. And the interesting thing about this is it is without hypocrisy. That means it's consistent. I mean, it blows me away sometimes, the inconsistency of the words we get from God. Some of these words aren't inconsistent with the last word you got. And they're certainly not consistent with the whole of who Christ is. But without hypocrisy, it doesn't appear to be one thing when it's really something else. There's a consistency when God speaks. And when God speaks, that wisdom looks like Jesus. So, The Holy Spirit has been given. The Scripture has been given. And the character of God has been revealed. Now, here's the fourth one. This is the one I really wanted to touch on today. The counsel of others. Okay? God has placed the counsel of others in our life to help us distinguish what we're hearing. To help us determine if what I believe I'm hearing is from the Lord or it's just a bad dinner. Whatever. He's placed this in our life. I'll show you some scriptures. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. 
but an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 15, 22. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 13.10, this is in the Amplified. It says, through pride and presumption come nothing but strife, but skillful and godly wisdom is with those who welcome well-advised counsel. Through presumption, I presume to know the will of God. I assume I know what it is. Well, I've weighed the facts, and I assume this is what that means. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Now, let me just say something to you. If you don't think you can be deceived, you are deceived already. If you think you're a lone ranger in this walk with God, you are deceived. If you don't think there is always the possibility of mishearing or misinterpreting what you're hearing, you're deceived already. We all can be tricked. We all can be deceived. We all can miss it. We all will miss it. We all have missed it. Missing it is not the point. Are you still seeking to walk in that obedience and walk by responding to the Spirit? Well, that's good, but those are all Old Testament verses. I've got the Holy Spirit now. I don't need to pay attention to those. There is no place that this plays out more practically than in the body of Christ. Just listen. To one is given the word of wisdom by the Spirit. Holy Spirit gives one a word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. By the Holy Spirit, he gives the word of knowledge. To another, faith. Same spirit gave him the word of wisdom, gave him the word of knowledge, gives him faith. The Holy Spirit gives to another gifts of healing. Same spirit, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing. And he goes on. He says discernment. The same spirit gives discernment to one. The same spirit gives the ability to encourage to the other. And he says he gives them for the common good. Of the body. What he says is, he gives them for everyone who is willing to receive to benefit from. Now, why did he give this one the word of wisdom and I need wisdom? Give it to me. He gave it to him. Might do you good to know him well enough to say, all right, listen, I need wisdom. What's God saying to you? But he's placed that inside for the common good of the body. Now listen, 
I'm not talking about some religious board that's set up to run your life. That's been tried, failed, etc. I'm not talking about some pseudo-spiritual leadership that's power-hungry to control the lives of others. What I'm talking about are relationships with people that have your best interest at heart, that have maturity, that know how to hear the Lord as well, and they are willing to seek the mind of God on your behalf. That's the kind of counsel I'm talking about. That's the kind of wisdom God places in our life. And he puts it in, all, in each of us. Now, now, understand something. We all have the Holy Spirit. He can give this one who's had the word of wisdom in the past, he can give him now the word of knowledge. See, it's, it's up to the Spirit. It says it's to his discrepancy. And this one over here that had the word of knowledge, he might give him the gift of healing. It's all for the moment. It's all what he's doing now. You have the Holy Spirit. He can manifest any of those through you. But God has set us in a body. He wants a body. He does not want an individual. He wants a body to be an expression of him. And he places those in our life. Someone with maturity and experience and not just information and knowledge. The will of God involves at least four aspects, okay? At least four. That's the four I came up with. The will of God, if, if God's going to reveal his will to us, it's going to include four aspects. The first one is it's going to be something to do. Okay? I mean, and then what we're looking for, okay, i got to make this decision. God has a will in that. He has something for us to do in every circumstance that we're in. Every situation that we come across, every relationship that we're involved in, every choice that we make, God has a will, something for us to do in that circumstance that will reveal his glory. It starts with something to do. That something to do will be clear. It will be precise. I may not know the outcome, but I will certainly know the income. I may not know how it's going to play out, but I will know clearly and concisely what it is that I'm supposed to do. If I don't know, don't do just something. Wait. Remember that phrase, do something even if it's wrong. That's the stupidest statement on the earth. If that's true, I'm the winner. I've done a lot wrong and still do a lot wrong. That's not the point. If you don't know clearly what it is God has for you, seek counsel from others to help clarify what you're sensing, to help give direction to what you're sensing, to pray for you that what you think you're sensing or hearing will be made clear. Don't just do it 
through presumption, well, I presume that that's what this sensing means. Through presumption comes nothing but strife. How much strife have we interjected into our life because we presumed because of a feeling or a sense or the doors being opened? You don't think the devil can open doors? And we presumed that must be the will of God. That must be what God wants me to do. And Proverbs is correct. I know it was waiting for my endorsement, but it is correct. Through presumption comes nothing but strife and trains. There is something to do. Second of all, there is a time to do it. There is a time to do it. Let's just get this out in the open. God's time probably ain't yours. God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. God's timing is probably not my timing. There is a time to do it. God is always right on time. And here's what I've learned, and I try to tell people this who are struggling with this. God works slowly. And then suddenly. It's like it percolates. It likes it just... Come on, God, and, just, and, and, and bam, there it is. He said that would happen to Israel. He said in one day he would create a nation, and he did, Israel. One day. There wasn't a nation, there's a nation. A lot of things led up to that event, slowly and suddenly. That's how God works. So don't be surprised if he's doing this slow. Don't take matters into your own hands. Wait upon the Lord. There's something to do. There's a time to do it. And there's a way to do it. God has a way to do. Some, this is one of the mistakes that's so common. We find, number one, what we're to do, and then we assume we know how to do it. Can you say Ishmael? Okay? Abraham discovered, now this isn't working so well. Sarah, I love you, darling, but that idea was not a good one, honey. There's a way to do it. God has a way to do it. The enemy offers alternative plans. Well, this would work, and I could, you know, I could juggle this around here, and I could get this person to do that, and I could... Do, and listen, if it's complicated, the devil is in the middle of it. And we have a tendency to complicate how to do what God wants to do. Here's how God does what he's going to do. Here's an example, okay? Light. There was light. That's it. Light. And God said, let there be light. Light. Wasn't a big, long, ironed-out plan to it. Light. There was dark. Light. And that's what we'll find when we're looking for the Lord. Many times, there's this long this time, period of time where it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Listen, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. It don't got to be done. Wait on the Lord. He has a way to do it. And his way will bring glory to him and honor to him. Here's the fourth one. He has an attitude for us to do it in. 
He has an attitude for us to do it in. That attitude is humility. That attitude is gratefulness. That attitude is thankfulness. Not only for what God is going to do, but for what God is doing right now, even though when it doesn't look like what I want God to be doing. It's an attitude of humility. Jesus humbled himself, took upon the form of a servant. God saw his heart and in turn exalted him that he would have a name above all names. That's the attitude we take. That's the, we, when we start with, well, I don't deserve, you just miss God. You just miss God. Because none of us are getting what we deserve. Thank God. There's an attitude of humility to receive from him, to welcome what he's undone. I can miss what God has for me by erring in any one of these areas. I can miss what it is he has for me to do and do something else. I can find out what he has for me to do, but do it out of time or try to do it out of time. When God wants to do something, he wants to do it. He doesn't want us to do it for him, okay? He wants us to cooperate with him by serving him and being obedient to him. And so when he gives us something to do, that do is first and foremost cooperate with whatever he's doing. It's not go out and do it on our own. And we can miss that. A time to do it. There's a way to do it. We are not forward. We don't have a better idea. We can have an ad, the wrong attitude to do it in. Yeah, this is going to be me, man. I'm going I'm to get elevated here. I'm going to get noticed. You know, this is how it's, it's all about me. I can miss what God's doing <clears throat> by erring in any one of these areas. Now, Seeking counsel allows me to see see blind spots I might have in any of these areas. And let me explain something to you. Every person in this room has blind spots. We have spots in our life we don't know are there. We're comfortable with them, maybe. And there are things that we're pretty sure we're right in, but That's because we're blind to it. People that are deceived are deceived because they don't know they're deceived. And if I think I've got it all together, and if I don't think there are areas in my life that I'm not seeing, I am deceived. And God uses us as we seek counsel to say, have you considered this? Well, no. Or considered, boy, you know, your attitude about this is really not expressing the Lord. Blind spots in our life. Counsel allows us to see blind spots that I might have not not been aware of. Wife's counsel can allow me a broader perspective. Wise counsel can let me see things I never thought of. I I have, you know, at least, I mean, Joni is one, but I have three guys, uh, uh, Tom and Randy and Paul, I mean, if I'm trying to determine what God's saying and doing, I go to these guys and I say, uh, here's what I sense. What do you sense? Here's what I hear, think I'm hearing. What do you hear? 
and inevitably I get a broader view. I never thought about that. It doesn't mean it negates what I'm hearing. It may confirm what I'm hearing. It doesn't mean that it deprives me of what I'm hearing. It protects me from doing something erroneously based on what I think I've heard. I mean, I did it with buying a car. What do you guys think? I need a car. How do you think I ought to go about this? And they all had insight and thoughts to it. Finding someone and telling them what you're going to do is not seeking counsel. And I learned the hard way. If you come to me and you tell me, this is what I'm going to do, conversation's over. Okay. Let me know how that works out for you. But if you come to me and say, this is what I think I'm hearing, what are you hearing? Or would you pray about this with me and help me hear more clearly what I'm hearing? Learning to hear is a growing process. It's a growing process. You will learn to hear more clearly than you do now. But you will do that as iron sharpens iron. As others in the body bring clarity to what you think you're hearing and what you believe you're hearing. But at the root of that, there has to be a willingness to be corrected. I I can always tell when someone has their mind made up and there's an unwillingness to receive any correction from what they think they're hearing. That's not seeking counsel. Seeking counsel says, I'm open to being wrong. I'm open to you telling me this is not the Lord. I'm open to you showing me and speaking to me about this. I'm open to you refining this about me. Counsel, seeking counsel can help me discover, do I really want counsel or do I just want approval? That's real easy when we think God wants us to do something. You know, it'd be like, like uh, uh, coming to Mike and said, Mike, I think God wants me to give you $100,000. Do you bear witness with that? Think he might have a dog in that hunt? See, we, we sometimes we seek out the people who we're pretty sure they're going to agree with us and go to them with our counsel and then walk away. Well, I talked to them about it, but you didn't really seek counsel. You weren't really open for correction. You had your mind made up, and you were looking for approval before you were looking for counsel. God's voice can stand up to an honest investigation. God's voice can always bear up when exposed to more light. Okay? It doesn't have to be, if you take the posture, I have to hurry up and do this, and I can't tell anyone, you are on dangerous ground. Here's what you'll find. A lot of times when your heart's right in this thing and you go to someone for counsel, they might say, well, you know, I've kind of thought that for a while. I just hadn't come to talk to you about that yet. There's that affirmation, confirmation that you're hearing what God's doing. Beware of, I can't let anyone 
know about this. God doesn't work in darkness. Now, it doesn't mean you tell everybody your business. That's not a problem around here. Everybody knows everybody else's business around here. But that doesn't mean that you have to tell everybody everything that's going on with your life. But listen, somebody needs to know everything about you. Somebody needs to know everything about you. And that you're not hiding anything. Or that you're not covering up anything. I heard this definition of wisdom a long time ago, and I'm going to leave this with you. I think it's very appropriate. Wisdom is seeing and responding to life's situations from God's frame of reference. Wisdom is seeing and responding to life's situations from God's frame of reference. It means that I look at this situation in my life and I don't just look at it from my frame of reference. I want to look at it from God's frame of reference. Karis shared a perfect example of that this morning. How easy it is to form our frame of reference about these people that are so adamant and angry and resentful about this being overturned. That wasn't God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing life situations from God's frame of reference. God has put people in our life called the body of Christ to help us see life from God's frame of reference and not just our own frame of reference. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. I, I hear this sometimes, especially from young people. I want to make my own mistakes. <clears throat> and I want to say that back to them. So you want to make mistakes. You want to make mistakes in your life. Well, I want to make my own. That doesn't even make any rational sense. I want to make mistakes. Counsel says, I don't want to make mistakes. I want to hear what the Lord has to say about this situation from any perspective that he's willing to give me. Okay? What would you hear? Any questions? Any input? And then we're going to pray for the enlargement. Anybody have anything? It's actually kind of funny. Um, I came in and I felt like the Lord kind of gave me this phrase or maybe just in my worship and praying with him. Um, and it kind of fits right in. You know, my prayer was that the Lord search my heart and any wicked way, you know, to remove it, he's been doing it, <laughs> you know, and uh, he answers prayers, and sometimes it's not how we assumed, you know, like it was just, hey, show me, but it's, no, these are hurtful things, these are things that are coming up that's not pretty, um, that have been in the dark, and it's just been me managing it, and not realizing, oh, this is something that actually triggers me, um, and just going through all that, so... 
as I'm in the process of this, um, just the phrase today that I heard was, sometimes it's hard to rock to walk in the way of righteousness, which the Lord is the one that defines it. And it's sometimes hard, but it's harder to choose my path because then it causes damage to me, damage to the people I love the most and everyone else around me. And so, uh, yeah, that's what rang out to me this morning. That's good. That's good. Anyone else? Yeah. You said God has put people in our lives to help us see God's frame of reference. Consider that the first line of defense in that is your spouse. <laughs> you would bring that up, wouldn't you? Yeah. 